Welcome to the Starfire Codes podcast, where we discuss metaphysics, survival, the media, and the truth. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Amy Pitchell. We're here today with Chris Linscombe. Chris is a husband, father, writer, soldier, and modern-day Renaissance man. He walked away from naturopathic medical school in 2021 with no plan B, trusting that doing the right thing would lead him on the right path for him and his family. He's passionate about helping men live strong, purpose-filled lives at home and beyond. Chris Linscombe, part one. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for coming on and talking with us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Thank you so much. And, you know, uh, let's talk about, um, you know, your journey in in leaving medical school and, and you know, past that point, you know, uh, what caused that and, and you know, uh, what your journey's been like after after that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, let's just hop right in then. Um, so when, when uh, 2020 hit, uh, you know, I think it took most of us completely by surprise and um you know i i i think a lot of us were kind of scrambling um there were some i i would i would say that really kind of saw this coming and, and were like oh yeah this is the same playbook <laughs> and we weren't really surprised by what was going on absolutely i i certainly was not one of those people <laughs> i was in my second year of uh, naturopathic medical school and um completely really trusted the natural medical system. I had a lot of concerns about allopathic sort of conventional medicine, um, but I thought, you know, we're really safe over here in this corner and <laughs> um, we're, we're doing things right. We have like a, a really good trajectory here based on our history and our tradition. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't get caught up in nonsense. So we're, we're kind of safe over here. And, and that just really turned out not to be the case. And, um, as 2020 2021 progressed it became very very clear that our administration and our profession the state governing boards the entire thing from top to bottom all the way down to the, the staff and the teachers um were not open to having discussion or dialogue mm -hmm. about what's true what's scientific they were going to toe the line of whatever the mainstream narrative was. Wow. And that was shocking to me, I, th I think in a lot of ways initially, but um, I grew increasingly. So between 2020 and 2021, when I decided to leave in the fall of 2021, I became increasingly aware that um, this profession had been completely sold out to mm. uh, biopharmaceutical medicine and biowestern medicine. And um, since then, done some digging and found out that that <laughs> is exactly the case. But really, it came down to a, a personal commitment to core values and principles. It came down to integrity. It came down to I am not going to sacrifice my body, my values, my integrity on the altar of a profession or an education in order to appease someone just to get through. This is not okay. This is not right. And so it was no longer an issue of um, just graduating and becoming a, a licensed naturopathic physician. It was an issue of doing the right thing. It was an issue of integrity. And so, yeah, I had no idea what was next. I was uh, going through all of the emotions, the waves of anger and frustration and fear and concern and and uh, certainty and confidence that I was doing the right thing. And I just walked away and I said, 
um, y'all can go kick rocks. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not playing your silly game. Um, and so, yeah, I walked. <laughs> and I, and at the time, I was thinking, well, you know, I can come back later when all this blows over. Um, but I certainly do not feel that way anymore. I, I look at it in hindsight with a lot of gratitude. And I think that um, at the time where I was so angry that I was giving up this profession, it was like, God, the universe was like, I am saving you from something you don't even realize. And um, so, yeah, as, as time has gone on, I've, I've grown increasingly um, thankful to not be in any kind of uh, licensed medical profession whatsoever uh, for a number of reasons. But initially, to continue on with like, you know, what I've been doing since then, mm -hmm. uh, I just jumped right into uh, working with the homeschool community here in Southwest Washington. And I'm not an educator. I don't have a background in um, teaching or, or homeschooling or anything like that. I guess I did when I was like first, first or second grade, my, my mom homeschooled me, but that was, you know, so, so long ago. And, um, and I, and I was just looking around and looking at what the schools were doing, what the kids were going through and the, the distancing and the math, the weird stuff that was happening at the schools. And, um, and, and especially a lot of the indoctrination, I was becoming awake and aware to a lot of it. And, um, man, the, the kids were hurting during that time. And, and we had, so I, I have two stepdaughters. Um, one was in her senior year of high school at the time. The other one was in seventh or eighth grade. And um, we just said, we're not, we're not subjecting our girls to that. We're pulling them and we need to come up with other options. And so I just I hopped on it and I said, all right, we're going to, we're going to create something. I don't know what it is, but we're just going to do something better. And so um, I connected with some people in our local community and put out some advertisements and some some online flyers. And um, we scheduled a meeting uh, in the park uh, that's close to where we live. And about 150 or 200 people showed up, total strangers. Wow. Yeah. In our, our, <laughs> we kind of live in a relatively small town here in Southwest Washington. And, and it was just like, whoa, okay. All right. So someone brought a loudspeaker and I was just on the microphone, like, all right, I'm just rallying the troops. Like, guys, like, we got to come up with something different. And um, I was just stepping out on the water into the unknown, just trusting that, um, you know, what we were doing was the right thing. And we were out there for the kids. And um, we connected a lot of different parents, a lot of different people in the homeschool community. There were co-ops I had no idea existed. I didn't even know what that was. And we just, so for three or four months in fall of 2021, right after I left medical school, I wasn't working. I have a job and I have, I, you know, I'm married. I've stepdaughters that live with us and I had to, to provide and stuff, but I, I was like, I'm invested in this and I was on mission. And um, yeah, so we started another homeschool co-op and connected a lot of people in the community. And we just started creating opportunities for kids and um, just felt like that was a, a really a beautiful kind of magical thing that we were, that we were doing at that time. And, and a lot of that's continued on. Um, I had to step out cause I had to go get a job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. 
What kind so, of infrastructure did you develop surrounding all of that when when that first you know I I mean like that's that's a huge thing to have happen and to have fall into your lap and and you yeah. you don't know which way you're going or what you're doing yet but you know that you feel passionate about it and you want to get it done and especially for your girls so you know what what infrastructure developed around that and what were you able to put together it sounds like there were so many people who were so copacetic and in, in need of the same thing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of really upset parents, you know, they, they were, I think because of 2020, 2021, they were coming awake to things that have been going on in the school system for so long. And so there was a lot of momentum that was already building up and we kind of just harnessed that. And um, the initial meeting of 150, 200 people, we put together an email list, we put together um, phone numbers, put together a questionnaire. And um, we compiled that email list and just began communicating lots and lots. Um, had several more meetings locally. Um, I connected to like a local uh, group of men and women who were kind of involved in like local politics stuff. And um, yeah, that's a, that's a totally different animal. We can, <laughs> we can talk about politics later. I, I'm not a politics guy at all, but but it was a really useful platform to be able to like create awareness about what we were doing and so mm -hmm. they invited me in to kind of spearhead and speak to this schooling issue or homeschool issue for the kids and I'm like hey I don't know what I'm doing I'm just a concerned dad who's um just got this like you know passion <laughs> in me. I'm, like, I'm like I'm a lion who's been unleashed here we got to protect these kids and um so you know just connected um a lot of like activist kind of people and then a lot of parents who already had a lot of momentum built up and energy and, and ready you know to to make a commitment and make things happen for the kids and then we held a, a meeting one night that went on for three or four hours fielded mm -hmm. questions and we said what are we going to do and um we just had a talk back and uh, eventually we just decided to like launch immediately into creating a homeschool co-op um just completely grass roots organic and um, a lot of parents and, and people in the community kind of rallied and provided us with uh, a space um, to meet once a week um, we you know came up with like applications and like uh, background checks and like all this stuff so it's kind of like we created this underground uh, school I guess you know once a week and we started holding field trips and um, anyways so it just it kind of it it happened really, really quickly. And it was just like, we're going, I don't know. I was just riding the wave. Um, <laughs> but with so many people involved and everything yeah. and so much momentum behind them. And then you're connecting all of these, uh, these disparate parts and everyone's in need of the same thing. It sounds like, you know, the gears were just turning and it was mm -hmm. like, you know, um, it was top of mind for everybody right then. And it just something that, that needed to happen. So, yeah. you know, creating that sort of underground infrastructure is really important. I mean, especially right now and especially with so many people like not wanting to even um, have the issue of sending their kids to school when they didn't know right. what was happening. They were so fearful of, you know, on either side, you know, whether whether there was something to be afraid of or whether they would have to inoculate their children and they didn't want yeah. to, you know, one way or the other, they were scared to send them. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's a hundred percent. And a lot of people, we were able to connect with a lot of people who felt exactly the same way. And, you know, um, surprisingly, maybe not so surprisingly, but the people in the community that really seemed to show up were uh, churches. Mm -hmm. And 
um, I say it, I say surprisingly because my observation was like most church, religious organizations in general just kind of went along with what they were being told by the government, whether it was out of fear or, you know, in cowardice or they just really believed in what they were being told. I don't know. Sure. You know, but, but that's a, a, a dynamic that I observed during that time was like religious organizations just went wholesale off the cliff with all this stuff. And so here in our community, it was like the churches that showed up and said, we want to create space for kids. I had strangers emailing me, calling me saying, you can come use our church building, you know? Um, And so, so we had three or four churches that said, Hey, you can use our our church building once a week. Um, You know, and we just collaborated with them and, and, uh, as things got going over the next several months, we had, well, um, I'd say three churches that at different days during the week just opened their doors and all these homeschool kids from age like five, six years old to 12th grade would come together and they had different programs that we put together and the parents connected. It was just like this grassroots community started to build all these opportunities for the kids and it was really beautiful. So that's amazing. And and yeah. just you know, in in a time of you know um, relative crisis, you know, surrounding this because you don't know what's going on, so it feels that way. Yeah. Um, you know, to have everybody's support and to see that that they're capable of working together and pulling something together, you know, by the seat of their pants quickly to to make something gel. You know, that that's an amazing thing to witness and and to see you know come about. For sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about you. Um, you went on past this point and, and you developed this for the kids. And then, you you know, as as you were moving forward, we've had conversations about you seeing, you know, the influence of of corporations upon medical education and, um, yeah. you know, how basically the the science industrial complex became like a religion. So. Mm-hmm would you want to um, talk to those points and, and, you know, let us know what your, um, what your trajectory was in, in uncovering that information and, and, you know, the way that it impacted you. Yeah. So 2020, as I alluded to, is a big wake up call to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was sort of like um, half asleep, half awake and, um, and I think probably all of us are to some regard, we're always coming more awake. We're always, you know, realizing more and getting better information, right? So it's it's awakening is a process. We're not like, I'm awake now. I've got, I know that. <laughs> that never um, happens. It never happens. <laughs> we're but, never done. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but, but that was just like this accelerated time of like, oh my gosh, this is insane. What's happening? How come people don't see it? Yeah. And so I was, I was just thrusted. I was, you know, neck deep in medical school it's like you know, up to my eyeball studying this stuff and really believing in quote-unquote evidence-based medicine and and you know we ought to go to the medical literature and we have to really investigate what we're doing uh, clinically based on the research that's been done not realizing that like the research that's been done has been paid for by the pharmaceutical industrial complex to make them profits right so data can be manipulated uh, research studies can be set up to get particular results. Uh, science, we can call it science, can be done that's not doesn't even use the scientific method. And that is the 
I see it at one time I thought, well, you can just like sift through the studies, you know, there, there might be one or two that kind of slip through this peer review process, but, but this, this process is really designed for our good to protect us, to keep us safe, to keep, uh, scientific research, uh, with integrity, you know, so we can trust this for the most part. That's completely not the case. The, the, the reality that I've come to discover and, um, thinks in, in part to, um, you know, friends that I've connected with over the last few years is uh, that the large majority of research, the scientific research, is in fact not trustworthy at all. Um, it is not even scientific. Um, so um, bring me bring me back on track. What was your initial question? So when you're when you're um, when you're looking at this, what was your trajectory in figuring yeah. this out? So when when you are diving into these studies and and looking at the data and seeing yeah. that this doesn't match up, you know, how did you put two and two together there? And 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 what was you know what was the impetus for that 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 made you um, have that aha moment, have that epiphany mm -hmm. surrounding that information? And and you know yeah. what did you do past that point? Yeah, I think well, it came in layers, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I am, I'm really, really grateful for the men and women who have had the courage to speak up publicly <clears throat> about the reality of, uh, science and medicine as we know it in the West and to put their reputations, their careers on the line, <laughs> um, men like, uh, you know, Alex Zach. <clears throat> who has been a voice. He's, he's not a doctor. He's not a trained scientist, but he has connected a lot of um, men and women in that field mm -hmm. and been an impetus to, like to use, to, to build a platform, to communicate the truth to people. And in that, I mean, you, you have so, so many um, Brendan Murphy and Mike uh, Donio. Is it Donio? I don't know mm -hmm. how to pronounce yeah. his last name. So many men and women, uh, Dr. Amanda Vollmer, uh, Don Lester. I mean, that's such a long, it's a laundry list of people who have been at this for years mm -hmm. and in some cases, decades, creating awareness. And they were silenced and they were censored and they were deplatformed. And um, I began to speak out about some of the things that I was uncovering and that I was witnessing in my experience in medical school in on social media. And, you know, I, I was like, this is wrong. The, here's here's a, a study that conflicts with everything that we're being told. Here's here's a true thing. Here's intuitively what we are, what we know and are, are observing. And then this is the story that we're being told. So I was I was speaking about these things and I was being Oh man, I, I received so much hate. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, my reputation, I was like defriended. I was, oh man, slandered, all these things. But as I began to do that, I began to draw on these other people or connect with these other people in my life mm -hmm. or, you know, out in the world that have been speaking up uh, about this kind of stuff for, for years. And as a result, um, a lot of the information that that they've um, uncovered and researched and, and written about, I've been exposed to, uh, you know, Dr. Sam Bailey, Mark Bailey, um, it's just a lot of different people who um, have been at this and have helped with, with my personal awakening. So. So a community formed around this and, and got all of these people together who were all noticing these different aspects and how it impacted their own lives. And, and when they tried to speak out about it, they were silenced, they were shut down, and they all kind of um, clustered together to compare notes and, and figure out, you know, what the hell was going on. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And when you, when you look at the people who are being censored and silenced, and you look at what they're saying. It's like, they're, these are reasonable, bright, well-educated people. Why are they being censored in silence? This is a this is an issue of common sense. You know, well, at least it was for me. <clears throat> so, um, talking about that more, you know, there there was um, a movement to um, to compare notes that that ended up um, resulting in presenting a lot of information forward to the general public to try to get that information out there, which resulted in um, the. Uh, the emergence of the health freedom movement and um, contagion right. myth, and and also mm-hmm. um, you know just um, different different situations surrounding autonomy, sovereignty, things like this. We're we're, we're trying to you know keep um, our ability to navigate our health unto ourselves, whether mm-hmm. that was about masks or shots or you mm-hmm. know whatever this was, and um, and as this formed uh, around this. Um, there was a debate that came up that that never quite happened and it keeps almost happening and never quite mm-hmm. happens surrounding mm-hmm. you know um team no virus and and team yeah. virus and and the burden of proof of isolation so can yeah. you speak to that and and how that emerged and and um and the ongoing sort of saga of that yeah um well you you have um a really interesting dynamic that I think is playing out in the world where you have you have the mainstream narrative where a large part of the population is just kind of like droning along with it and just parroting this narrative. And then you kind of have like this reactionary um, response to that, right? Um, not realizing that that conversation itself has been framed and mm-hmm. structured and handed to society and basically these are the this is the framework within which you can have discussion and argument and dialogue back and forth and everything outside of this is completely off limits and it's a subconscious it's a psychological dynamic where people don't even consider anything outside of this very um strict narrow uh dialogue right mm-hmm. that's happening and so so you have um the, the the wuhan coronavirus that was was uh released in a wet market somewhere um was the mainstream narrative at the time and it was just completely accidental and it, and it came from a, a a pangolin or whatever the thing was and and then the other people like nope this was intentionally created at the wuhan virus lab and is a bioweapon that's the framing that was the conversation that was created and so you kind of had this pushback and this health freedom movement began to form and say, well, you know, we don't, we don't want a vaccine and we can't trust the establishment because they're covering this up. And, and, and then meanwhile, the truth lies outside of that. And so you, you have um, Dr. Tom Callen who wrote the contagion myth. He, he wrote a, a short book, which I recommend to anybody who's not familiar with what we're talking about. Um, breaking the spell and he, he goes into it's like a 40 or 50 page book super easy to read really accessible uh doesn't use a lot of sciencey language but he goes into like the the narrative around covid and sars cov2 you know highly recommend that book for anyone who wants a good introduction but you have men like um dr andrew kaufman and others who are like hold up hold up hold up uh there is actually no scientific evidence that a contagious virus has ever been isolated and purified 
uh, in nature using the scientific method. We don't have any reason to believe that viruses exist and that they are contagious and pass from one host to another where they replicate and present with all these symptoms of illness. That's that's the truth. And and, and so you have this dynamic within the health freedom movement of they're bought into this, this structured framework and they go, well, we're, your, we're on your side, guys. We're, we're the health freedom movement. And you have a lot of like really prominent figures that have these prominent platforms that are speaking within the health freedom movement against this mainstream narrative. But they're like, but you're too extreme. That's people aren't ready for that. Um, people don't want to talk about that. Or you're you're just controlled opposition. You're, you know, whatever this, whatever the thing is, they just shut down the conversation and that's really really concerning and that's not science either so you have this crowd that like we believe in actual science and, and you're like but but not real science and it's like <laughs> okay guys like you know this is the conversation that we need to open up this is the conversation that needs to happen do science do we have any reasonable um scientific evidence that contagious viruses exist do we show us let's look at the literature let's look at the history and when you do that you find that there really isn't any scientific evidence and that undermines everything that's happened and you know going back to when i was in medical school i was having issue talking to professors even opening dialogue or asking questions we we're being ridiculed and shut down for asking questions about vaccines or masking or distancing or the hand sanitizing and all this stuff and, I, and i'm going this doesn't seem right like based on what we know in the scientific literature for decades and decades i was having a trouble just opening up dialogue about those things so to completely undermine everything that um well, not everything, but much of which Western biomedicine, including naturopathic medicine, a lot of like functional medicine and stuff rests on like that. This is like a, a cornerstone. Um, this, this idea of germ theory or, or contagious viruses, this is a cornerstone in that all of those systems. If you were to go with that, this is like off limits, you know, and that's, that's a, I, I think a, a, a dangerous uh, place to be because it prevents um, it, it prevents us from actually getting to the heart of the issue. And in natural medicine, it's actually shocking they weren't even allowing you to question hand sanitizer. Right. You know, which is something they would ordinarily question. So they're, yeah. they're backtracking from there, from even yep. their normal stance. So yep. that's, that's shocking to me that they're not even allowing you to have that conversation or a conversation about masks or right. distancing, let alone, you know, um, the shots and, and all of this, it, it seems like something, you know, so, so where you were initially, you know, in medical school, thinking that that you're going down this natural path for this, and, and thinking yeah. that you're, you're separate from this, this allopathy conversation, and then realizing that that this whole side of this is getting roped into this too, like, that's mm -hmm. impactful, but then to not be able to have the conversation, because like, the usual literature surrounding the Overton window, is mm. that it it comes up on its own that it percolates oh. up out of the conversation that people are naturally having which we've found is not the case right it's manufactured yeah so you've got point a that you're allowed to argue on this side point yep. b that you're allowed to argue on this side and anything besides point a and point b is completely like you said off limits 
So any conversation that you're having that's outside of this, um, there's been censorship, there's been silencing, there's been deplatforming, there's been, you know, all kinds of, of ways of shutting down anything outside of the window. Not allowed right. to talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, even like moving forward from there, you know, where where you're trying to get this um, this information out and you're trying to speak to these points out of out of a, you know, out of your integrity, out of trying to help people think it through and out of, you know, coming at it from a scientific viewpoint mm -hmm. where we should be asking questions. That's what science is. It's asking questions. That's part of the scientific method. You you ask a question. You form a hypothesis around the question. Mm -hmm. Once you ask the question, you, you know, you test it and you come back and, and form a new question, you, you know, and you keep going in cycles like that until you get more answers and you're able to determine what's real and what's not. And for people to completely shut everyone off from even the ability to ask a question, that's not science. No, it's not. It's not at all. Yeah, we uh, there was a group of students at school who uh, we, we kind of formed a little a little community behind closed doors. <laughs> oh, man, those were those were such strange times. The the pushback was so intense against anybody who questioned the narrative oh and uh so there was a very small group of students who got together and were like we need to talk we need to do something this is mm. not right what's happening is wrong and um and i think we at the time handled ourselves really really well and we we went through the right channels and we we went to you um upper admin when i think it made it all the way to the president i think we sat in in some meetings i didn't go to the meetings um but but that group of people sat in with some meetings with the board and the president and all this stuff. And the response, I still have the email saved to my phone just for posterity's sake. The response of the president of uh, the school that I was going to was to completely shame everybody. Uh, uh, you should be ashamed of yourselves for putting other people at risk, for not doing your part to mask yourself and to inject yourself and to test um that you have this contagious virus shame on you that is not the heart of medicine blah 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 it was gaslighting it was manipulative it was abusive and that that email that single email for me that was in uh summer of 2021 wow. was the final straw and that was like the big wake-up call for me to go oh i see you <laughs> you are religiously bought into this like, this isn't dialogue. This is, I will shame you and abuse you and manipulate you and ridicule you for asking scientific questions. And that that is the milieu of uh, Western biomedicine. And that was at a naturopathic medical school. Now, imagine at a conventional MD, you know, allopathic school or, or an osteopathic school um, that are fully funded by pharma. I was, I later learned that the naturopathic schools actually do receive large grants from pharmaceutical companies mm -hmm. and are, and are quiet about that. Um, <laughs> yep. So they, they have signed away their heart and souls to the devil and receive money to, um, for vaccines to push, you know, uh, toe the line on certain pharmaceutical talking points at the schools and in the clinics and in the classrooms, really, really gross stuff. But so if, if that's what I was experiencing at a naturopathic school, imagine what um, 
the culture is and the attitude is of those kinds of questions at a conventional medical school. And there you have kind of the, the answer, the dynamic of just how gross, uh, dare I say evil, <laughs> the industrial medical complex is. To hear part two of this interview, please subscribe at starfirecodes.com.